Okay, let's hear it. All right. Hey, six, seven, eight, come at. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, <laughs> hey, American Idol, here I come. American Idol. Boxing. My cousin taught me that actually when I was like in elementary school and I only know one beat. So I consistently do it always. That was pretty good. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> well, thank you. One of my talents. Hidden talents over here. One of my hidden talents. Yeah. One of my hidden talents. I actually tell my kids that, that that's my talent. Um, they're like, oh, do it, do it. I'm like, okay, okay. I got it. I got it. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> but anyways, welcome back to six, seven. Yeah. <laughs> back in action um you know you know what i found really interesting um is i brought up this topic to val and we were like oh we got to talk about this we got to talk about this and it's about if college athletes should be getting paid for endorsements and in general if they should be getting paid and there's this thing called um nil or i like to say nil and basically what it is is in um, May 31st of 2021, finally, um, there was a policy that was implemented by the NCAA that collegiate athletes, D1, D2, and D3 athletes can be getting paid for their name, um, for the image that they perceive as, and the likeliness of them. And that's what NIL stands for, the name, the image, and likeliness. Um and it's such an interesting topic to talk about because, you know, I remember like before 2021, I mean, that was only two years ago, you know, that no yeah. college athlete could get paid for any brand endorsements, anything like that. And there has been a lot of controversy over it. And a lot of, you know, there's huge conversations about it, too, that and a lot of people thought they should be getting paid and a lot of other people thought that they shouldn't. And today we're going to talk about both of the sides a little bit, which I'm I'm really excited to talk about. Yeah, I feel like we're about to go off. So um, strap in <laughs> a warning, trigger warning <laughs> for anyone who's getting paid right now. Yeah, <laughs> no, but I, I found this interesting, though. And, you know, two of the biggest sports that you know, a lot of people are getting paid right now is basketball and football uh, players. And it's one of the biggest sports that's also advertised in America, too. You know, one of the most American quotations, American mm -hmm. sports to play is football. And there is an athlete. Um, I think his name was um, Bryce Young. He's a quarterback for Alabama. And going into 2022, he got paid one million dollars almost one million dollars for the brand endorsement deals he had he worked for or worked with cash app um bmw um so many other businesses and basically what's happening is that you know these companies are going after these collegiate athletes who have 
you know, have a million, 250,000 followers on Instagram and they pay them to show off the brands that they want to sell to people that aren't athletes or are athletes to anyone in, um, in life. And because these athletes already have this amount of attention to them, um, usually what happens in these brand endorsements is all right. If I see, let's say if I see, um, hmm, who's your favorite athlete right now? I don't have. One. <laughs> All right, let's just say Mike, M- Michael Phelps, right? If he's sure. wearing like a new Nike sweatshirt, I don't know if he's branded by Nike. I don't know, but if he's wearing a really cool Nike sweatshirt, right? And I'm following him on Instagram, and he's a very well known. Obviously, he's an Olympian. He's a swimmer, and a lot of people, you know, we look up to these celebrities, and we look up to these athletes sometimes. Yeah. And if they're wearing something, you're gonna want to wear it too sometimes, and that's how it goes. Yeah. Um, And that's how these endorsement deals and brand deals really work. And we're going to talk about if they really should get be getting paid or not. Um, And I want to start the college athletes just to specify, not the Olympians. Yeah, not the Olympians, not the Olympians, (laughs) but um, but the college athletes. Um, And, you know, the whole the the Bryce who I was talking about, Bryce Young, the football player at Alabama. It's just crazy to me that he made almost $1 million off of these deals. Yeah. You know, and we were talking about if they should get paid for this or not. And I think, um, you know, Val and I, we have similar views on this. I believe that there's pros and cons in getting paid for brand endorsements. Um, I'm kind of on the fence. I'm kind of like in the middle. I can't really say yes or no to it. Mm -hmm. Like I understand that like if... Sometimes like for March Madness, for example, before 2021, the amount of advertisements they make of, let's say, basketball players in March Madness that wear Nike or Under Armour uniforms. Mm -hmm. And that company makes so much money off of March Madness. And it's because of the players. And, you know, the players want to be paid for that because, I mean, it's their own body. They're also the main factor to why they make so much money, these businesses, for example, Under Armour and Nike um, during March Madness. So I understand that viewpoint. One thing I didn't really realize that I guess NIL or NIL, like I say, did was when they started to pay collegiate athletes, they went off of usually like how many followers do they have and how big is their platform? One of the effects of this policy being implemented is that a lot of more women's sports were recognized and televised. Not all. We're not. It's not at the same as men's sports. Still, it's not. But it's a baby step. What it did was a lot of more people started watching women's sports. You know, and which is great. It's amazing. But also, there's still a misdistribution over D1, D2, and D3 athletes because it looks like now a lot of D1 athletes are the only ones getting paid for this, even though it includes D2 and D3. Mm-hmm. But what's on TV? D, right. D1, D1 sports, mm-hmm. D1 sports and not D2 and D3. I know there's some, some D2 sports on television, but not as much, not as much of D1 sports though. Yeah. It's so also frustrating because I know I was, I went to a D3 school and you went to, or did you go to a D3 school? Yeah. D3. Yeah. And you know, <sighs> Growing up, everyone told me that D1, D2, and D3 are so different. Yeah. That was especially talked about, too, when we did travel ball. So just to specify, me and Sarah both played softball in college. 
a lot of people always told me if you want to go D1, you can go D1, but your life is going to consist of softball and that's going to be it. Yeah. You know, which is true. It's, it's just going to be that. And I'm not saying that D1 students don't get an education, but I didn't want to surround myself 24 seven to softball because I knew I wasn't going to go pro, you know, and even some D1 athletes don't even go pro majority you know? of them don't yeah a majority i mean especially what we were doing majority softball players who play d1 don't go pro yeah no way no and also once again about like women's sports not being televised as much as men's sports like with softball i think i only am able to see softball games on tv during like the ncaa championships yeah otherwise you have to like pay for it you don't you can't see it yeah and I've never seen a professional softball team on cable. Yeah. Like you have to go through your laptop. You have to go through like the depths of the internet yeah. in order to find it. Yeah. yeah. So like when they say that this policy is going to help, you know, students get an education and also not have to worry, not have to worry about like expenses and, and getting paid and stuff. It just, it's, I love this word. It's mind bottling to me. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm dumbfounded about it. Like I just, it just doesn't make really sense to me because I mean, my idea of D1 is that, yeah, you're getting an education, but I feel like at the same time, your number one priority is that sport. Yeah. You know, I think on one hand, it's great. Like on one hand, yeah, they're like, making money by you know playing the sport that they train so hard to do but in my head um and I know I don't know if you touched on this yet but in my head um I think like about all of the student student athletes who play D1 especially who got scholarships to play there and I'm just wondering like why are they getting a scholarship and then getting paid on top of it for endorsements and the thing is, like, yes, like not every person that is D1 gets a, a scholarship, but a majority of them do. Yeah. And even if they in that school, they can't give you an athletic scholarship, um, they can get you an academic scholarship. Right. Usually. Right. Yeah. And so, like, that's a thing. So, like, already having that information that let's just say you do have a scholarship and then you're making like a million dollars a year at age like 19, 20 years old, like first off, like good for you. You, you know, you put in your hard work, you did what you had to do to get there, but it's not evenly distributed. It's also, it's not fair to D2 and D3 schools too, because it's not televised D2 and D3 sports as much as D1. Yeah. So how can someone in a D2 school get paid the same amount of someone in a D1 school that does the same, like, let's say, um, brand deals, but because not a lot of people follow that person because this game is not televised to a D2 school. Mm -hmm. It's going to not be even yeah. throughout D1 and D2 and especially D3. Yeah. There's a massive drop off. There's yeah. like even when like I know when I was looking into colleges and when you were looking into colleges too and where we were going to play. It, it was always talked about like D1. D1's the top and then anything off of that is like just not the same. Yeah. And like D2 was never quite there and never quite good enough. And D3 is basically like playing club. That's how it was like. Yeah. That's yeah. how it felt. Which um, is not true. Which at, isn't yeah. true at all. And like now that I'm like through and done with college, like 
I completely understand that like it's so different, but that's like the I uh, that's just like how it's presented to people. Like mm-hmm. anybody who's not involved in the athletics of like college or whatever, that's how they see it. Yeah. They see D1 is legit and everything else is not. Yeah. And so I think that all of these students who are in D1, you know, they get the benefits of scholarships and yep. now they get the benefits of all of these endorsements and and the D2 and D3 D2 is and D3 forgotten. still get nothing. Yeah. And it's also it's crazy because I remember in my school that I went to, we only got I think we got two shirts and one shorts and the uniforms we didn't get like new uniforms every year like these uniforms were like five years old yeah like we had the same equipment for like four years until I was a senior and finally finally we my college like made a deal I think with Under Armour and Nike I forgot what it was and we it was the first time I ever like I felt like I was like a D1 athlete because I got like so much stuff for free that Mm -hmm. I never got before. And it was just surprising to me because I saw when I was a freshman, sophomore and junior, like getting like this two practice shirts and that was it. And that was all we get. And, but the teams that, you know, were very popular would get so much more stuff, you know, or when you look on the internet and you see, you you know the D one athletes or D two athletes like posting about like the new clothes they got the new Under Armour the locker name and everything that they just put on their locker. Mm-hmm. It's just it's not evenly distributed. And now that they made this policy, I feel like maybe not right now. There's a lot of negatives towards it, but I definitely feel like there's going to be long term negatives for the kids that want to become athletes and how they look at playing sports and what drives them to play a sport. Oh, completely. I also just wanted to say too, like the, I think it's important to mention for anybody who wasn't a student athlete in college, um, that what you don't see before college is that like me and Sarah, we played with those D one athletes. Like we were on the same team as them playing side by side And then as soon as you go to college, just because you chose this college to go to for whatever reason it was, you don't get treated the same. You know, the not even distribute. I always say this word wrong. Distribution. (laughs) Distribution. I did go to speech as a kid, by the way. Um, (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. No, but it's D1 schools. They get more money. They do. Because also it comes with us too. We watch more of their games, but also it's televised more of the D1 sports. Yeah. And based on the sports too, you know, like baseball, football, basketball, for men, very popular and it's all on TV. And for women, it is getting better. However, it's it's not the same. And I think we're going to end up getting there one day, hopefully, but it's still not the same. Like you said before, if an athlete is making a million dollars off of brand endorsement deals plus has like a scholarship like you're basically you basically might as well say that you're a pro because right. p- professional players i mean they make some of the i mean most of them make more than like a million dollars but like it's a million dollars like some professional soccer players don't even make a million dollars yeah you know and you're like 19 years old or 20 sorry 20 years old maybe mm-hmm. and like great for you like that's amazing but at the same time it also changes your mind about why you play or what motivates you yeah 
you know, that makes me think about like pay for play. It's kind of like a saying out there right now when they introduced nil that I like to say or NIL. Pay for play is basically, you know, changing the perception of the reasoning to why you want to play the sport in college. And a lot of people think they will play if they're going to get paid for it. I know for me, if I was a kid right now and someone was telling me, if a coach was telling me, if you want to go to D1, you can get paid like so much money for this. I'm going to think about that. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be influenced especially when you have these coaches, like these coaches are someone that you look up to a lot. Mm -hmm. I know I looked up to my coaches a lot and thankfully they were very honest with me about the differences between D1, D2 and D3. And they said it was my choice, what I could pick. Yeah. And they would help me get wherever I wanted to go. But I'm just thinking about the kids nowadays that have those coaches that aren't like that, that tell them what it's like in these schools if they want to now they have the possibility to make money if they go d1 right i just i just feel like that changes the real reason to why people started to play sports in the first place yeah completely so i used to coach for a little while and um i was coaching these 12 year old girls and i even saw a difference in the way that they thought about the game, even before all of this, like I saw a difference when they were just spoken to about like going and playing D1, like their, their mindset completely like shifts. Like they're ultimately training to play D1. That's what their parents want. They want them to go play D1. They want the scholarships and and that's what they're being told to do. But I think like at 12 years old, these girls are forgetting why they're playing the sport. Mm-hmm. That's such an issue. When I was 12, I wasn't even playing travel ball yet. Yeah. I wasn't. I play. I started playing travel ball at 14 and even mm. then felt like young. But like according to D1, that's late. Yeah, that is late for D1. Yeah. yeah. So like majority of your childhood, you're thinking about college. You're thinking about how am I going to pay for college? And this sport is going to get me through. Like... Mm. It shouldn't be about that. It should be about everything else about the sport. Mm -hmm. It should be about like, you know, making these friends that you're going to have for life and learning these lessons about things that you learn on the field, but use outside in the real world. Mm -hmm. That's what it's about. It's not about like, what, what am I going to get paid after this game? Yeah. Snaps. Snaps. Snaps (laughs) for that. (laughs) No, everything that you said, I agree with completely because I know as a kid, when you're 12, 13, 14 years old, you're not thinking about, you know, how am I going to pay off my college debt? You know, you're not taught that or maybe I wasn't taught that, you know, like I wasn't taught that. And because a lot of my both of my parents wanted me to have fun playing sports and they knew me playing softball and basketball that was my time where I didn't have to think about anything. I wasn't stressed about anything. And I used this sport to also help me with the outside things, outside of sports too. Yeah. I learned a lot of things about myself. I mean, I learned about my sexuality definitely in softball, <laughs> but I <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but I also learned about how to be honestly like just a natural like honest and good at taking criticism i'll say human being because so much that we learned from it yeah so much accountability yep being on a team working for someone other than yourself Mm -hmm. 
Like there's just so you learned about how to be like on time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> er, what was it? It's like early is on time. On time is late and late is unacceptable. Yeah. That's what like my coaches always told me. And that's the thing. Like you you learn how to work with a team like there's no I in team for softball yeah. and for any sport, really. Um Maybe not meh, tennis, maybe, but <laughs> but like sometimes. But like the thing is, like you learn more about yourself. It also for me, it increased my confidence completely. Like for some reason, it not only com- like increased my confidence as a player and my skill sets, but it also increased my confidence in like okay, if I'm good at this and I can work on it and change my skills about it, I can do that in the classroom too. I yeah. can also be more confident in in talking to people and approaching people. Because yeah. I remember being very nervous to speak to strangers and to speak to other coaches. And I had to learn how to do that in softball to talk to college coaches. Yeah. You know, but the biggest thing, like you said, I like that you said accountability. Yeah. Because when you make a mistake, you know, there's a consequence to it. Mm-hmm. And that always happened for me and for my teammates playing, you know, travel ball. Yeah. It teaches you to hold yourself accountable and to hold other people accountable. Mm-hmm. And I like also the fact that I remember I was, I was very, very sensitive as, and sensitive is okay. You know, I was a very sensitive kid, but I would cry a lot. I didn't like when someone yelled at me. Same. I hated it, you know? And then when I, when I um, started travel ball, you know, I was still young, but my coaches, they raised their voice a lot. And because that happened a lot, I got used to it and I kind of, I, I liked when a coach raised their voice at me. I honestly did so much better. I really did. Like I loved when someone yelled at me and, but it was interesting because before when I was younger, I hated it. Like I would just cry. And like, I think it definitely, there is a tone you should not use with your athlete um, or your player, I should say. But when a coach raised their voice at me it made me more motivated to fix my shit. Yeah. And that's just, and everyone works differently. But, you know, like you said, though, but like having fun was my main reason why I started playing softball. Yeah. And I feel like nowadays I'm nervous for this incoming generation who is in elementary school and middle school right now, about to be in high school, who probably their parents may be telling them, you know, if you want to go to D1, or let's say you don't want to go to D1, but if you want to get paid in college, go D1 and you can have a brand deal, maybe. Mm-hmm. And you don't really know until you get there. And that's the risk you have to take. It honestly scares me for all of the kids that are training now to be D1 athletes because like it sounds like a toxic work environment. It sounds like yeah. if you go and you play this sport and you don't love it, you're just doing it because you're getting paid that sounds like an unhealthy job environment. It does. If you ask me. It does. It does sound like that. Yeah. And a lot of people say, I mean, well, the one line is, I don't know if I totally agree with this. What I've been hearing around is that, you know, you never have to work a day in your life if you, what yeah. is it? If you love your job. Yeah. If, if you love your job. Yeah. The main thing I've always was taught was to have fun. And that's what my parents told me. And you, we learn from our role models. We learn from the people who are older than us because, you know, that's who we look up to. Um, but at the same time, you know, this was so interesting for me. 
I remember when I was in college, I did um, my thesis on why do collegiate athletes quit their sports in college? And like the final reasoning that I went after I collected all my data was because due to the burnout stage and the burnout stage is basically a specific time of when you actually make that decision to quit your sport because of all of the factors that led up to it. For example, your stress levels increased, the pressure that you received playing that sport, the relationships that you've had with your other teammates and the coach. Mm -hmm. And one of the main reasons and one of the main answers all of my participants told me one of the main factors of why they quit their sports was because it was not fun anymore. And it was not what it was like when they were younger. Yeah. Because of that, it was due to the coaches and to outside members like family members coming to the game and also like teachers at school. Mm-hmm. So the bottom line is when after collecting all the data and seeing that it is due to the burnout stage is that on the bottom line, they weren't having fun anymore. They weren't happy. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm nervous to see if this deal that, you know, the NCAA did and putting this policy into place is that, you know, kids are going to change their mindset about it. This comes to the next conversation about how are we going to avoid this? How are we going to make sure that the reasoning why they started playing the sport is to have fun and to make friends and to whatever reason to be happy or to do a hobby that makes you release stress and anxiety outside of the home or outside of school too. Yeah. You know, and that's why I started to play sports was, well, one, it was just fun for me. Mm hmm. And I could release my emotions that I couldn't release before in my home or in at school. It was a place where I felt free. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like these D1 athletes could possibly even be under more pressure too now. Yeah. They have to probably, you know, now that they have these deals and everything, they have to do more work on social media. They have to perform at their highest level collegiate wise. And already mental health is an issue for a lot of uh, collegiate athletes with the amount of pressure already that they have. Yeah. So imagine already having this other level of pressure on you due to these endorsements. And like, yes, you can say no, you could say yes. But if someone says you can make a million dollars in a year, you're going to turn that down. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, it's like you already have the stress of performing well in your sport, whatever sport that may be. And now you have the added stress of, all of your followers and like say like in air quotes all of your fans or whatever and then you have the stress of am I doing well enough to you know get these endorsements am I doing well to get paid more for this stuff when it should never be about any of that in the first place it should be about like yes number one am I having fun but also number two am I practicing in the way that I should be practicing in order to perform better in my sport so that I have more fun like I you know Money should not be motivating you. No. That that should not be it. If this policy is going to stick around, which I'm sure it is, I think the only factor that could possibly have a shot at helping these kids is getting better coaches. Yeah. Period. Period. Because some of these coaches, I mean... Suck. <laughs> they do. They really do. I have to say, though, the worst coaches for me was in elementary school. They were mostly dads of players. Oh, they were all dads. They were all dads. The team that I was coaching, the coach was the dad. Yeah. And that's so difficult. It is. It is so difficult. And that's a whole nother conversation we could have too about it because it is, 
having a parent as your coach, it's hard to differentiate the relationship between that one parent and your coach. Like they're both. And it, it's hard to put those two together on the softball field or any any field, any court, any type of setting where you play the sport. But then again, you know, and also, you know, I'm not saying before, like everyone makes a million dollars a year. Um, that was just one of the players that is the highest paid for it. On average, um, if you're under endorsements, D1 athletes in the past year and a half, I say they make... Um, the article said that they make about three thousand seven hundred and like eleven dollars per year. Yeah, and that's only for that's like an at the average D one player, right? But for people that you know that are more popular and have their name more out there, they get higher paid. But anyways, you do bring up a good point though with these coaches. What we have to do to change this is we need to get different coaches in in these sports that understand. Yeah. And actually also education too, being able to educate these, these athletes on the reasoning behind they played the sport at first and to ask them why they want to continue to play is to actually ask them and not tell them why they should play. Yeah. So get their opinions out there because that's what matters at the end of the day. It's you who matters, you know, mm-hmm. not the opinions about what other people think that you should do, but what you should do matters. Is what you think. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you're your own person. And, you know, you got to remember why you first started to play this sport. And everyone's opinion changes over time, too. You know, and yours can. Um, But don't forget why you started to play a sport. Because I know that is one of my greatest loves in life was to play sports. And I miss it every day. So. Yeah, me too. So remind yourself, if you are an athlete, or even if you're not an athlete, um, remind yourself of something that you did for a long time that you love and that you miss, and remind yourself why you started it. Um, and also, we want to hear your your opinions about this. If you think that collegiate athletes should get paid for these brand endorsements, um, or in general at, at all, or even more, or yeah. if there should be like a cutoff, if they shouldn't be making this much money, if they shouldn't make like 2000 a year, if they should only make 500 or anything like that, we want to hear your thoughts on it. Um, because that's, you guys are very important to us too. Yeah. I'm very interested to hear like the other side of the argument too. Um, because me and Sarah obviously have, strong opinions about it because we were athletes and we were very involved in the whole system of it all. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear somebody who disagrees with us. I would love to hear what they think and why. Yeah. We're very good listeners. So please, but we'll, we'll fight back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't bite. Maybe Val. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, six, seven out, baby. We out. We out. <laughs>